I'm so excited to continue as we're in summer at the gathering to continue this, uh, this series on the life of Joseph today. Let me pray for us as we begin. Heavenly Father, we just ask today, God, that you would prepare our hearts to learn about the time it takes to grow. I pray over every person that's in here today who isn't where they want to be yet. That you'd bring peace to them today. That you'd bring encouragement to them today. That you would remind them that you're not finished yet today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, well, uh, so we are in a series. We, we call it Summer at the Gathering. Okay, All summer long, we, just, we like to have popsicles and soda pops if you're from the Midwest, Coca-Cola's for the rest of us. We like to have uh, a little bit of fun here and there. In fact, we've got a big summer party coming up, July 3rd, you guys. It's going to be a blast. and We like to do all that kind of stuff. And then we also, for teaching, we kind of mix it up. We'll do a little bit of series, a little bit of standalone messages. And so today, we're carrying carrying on what we started last week, which is this story we call Untapped. It's about potential. And we're looking at the life of a young man named Joseph and where he began and where God wanted him to go. And as we do that, we're learning a little bit. We're relating it to the beer making process because why the heck not, you know? This is Asheville, North Carolina for crying out loud. We got more breweries than we've got coffee shops. We got more breweries than we do grocery stores in this town. And so uh, we, we're learning from them however we can and, uh, and seeing how we can talk about developing potential because we believe that God made you with mountains and mountains of potential. In fact, I believe that when you were created, he had a dream in mind for you, a purpose in mind for you, that he created you with passion and ability and strengths and gifts that were all pointing in one divine direction in all of us. But I think a lot of times we have a hard time grasping that. We have a hard time seeing it. We have a hard time understanding the process that's waiting for us. We have a hard time uh, understanding what kind of purpose we were made for. And so all this potential that bubbles up inside of us remains untapped. Maybe sometimes we, we don't get where we want to go fast enough, and so we just kind of settle for wherever we are. Uh, we live our lives in a constant state of dissatisfaction. And that leads to us feeling broken and empty, devoid of purpose, all while we have such major potential waiting for us. When it comes to beer, a brewer has the ability to look at some simple ingredients, barley, hops, yeast, and water, and know that these four things have a whole lot of different kinds of potential. These four ingredients can amount to more than just one thing. And in beer making, the process determines the outcome. Last week, we talked about the milling process, an early process in making the beer. And the idea that in order for the brewer to start to make the brew, first, the grains have to get crushed. We talked about how as we reach our own potential, we go through this same crushing and milling process. God strips away all the things that hold us back through the difficult seasons of life we pass through in order that we could become more for his glory. We looked at this story in the Bible 
of a boy named Joseph. We meet Joseph. He's 17 years old, and he is all hyped up, man. He's excited. He's having dreams where everybody's bowing down to him, and he, he interprets those dreams. You know, he's got, he's got 11 brothers, and in these dreams, he's some kind of figure, and there's 11 other figures bowing down to him. So he, like, wakes up, and he immediately says, hey, Reuben, guess what? You're going to bow down to me someday, sucker. You know, it's kind of like the attitude that he's got in his heart. He's got a lot of, of pride, and he's his father's clear favorite. His, he's got this fancy coat of many colors. Anybody remember Joseph and the coat of many colors? You know, I remember in Sunday school, they had this striped rainbow coat that they would put us on when we would tell this story, and I love to spin around in that thing, man, see those tails fly up in the wind. That was Joseph. Joseph had a lot of developing he needed to do. He had a huge potential. God had an amazing dream in mind for Joseph. He showed him in his dreams that one day he was going to have influence that was bigger than he could have even asked or imagined. And that was all true. But he wasn't ready to receive it yet. So today, I want to talk about how Joseph went from being a favorite son to an Egyptian slave. I want to talk about what that was like for him, what he learned in that season, and what we can learn as we develop our potential. In the brewing process, once you've milled the barley, it's time to start developing the beer. And so you move on to a step called the mash. The mash. The mash is the core of the beer making process. Once the grain's been milled, it's added to a large vessel called the mash tun and mixed with a hot water from the mash. And that's when the magic starts to happen. The heat from the water activates enzymes within the barley. The enzymes begin to convert the starches and the grains into sugars. And the amount of time you do it for, and this is important, and the amount of heat you use determines the type of beer you're creating. Every subtle little thing that you do in this phase has huge ramifications on the finished product. Once you have this mash, you go through a process called lottering that leads to the creation of the sweet wort. These are all words you don't need to remember, which is essentially the unfermented beer, okay? The lottering is when we take the mash, which has the texture like oatmeal, and we don't eat it. We strain it. We let the husks that we milled act as a filter bed to remove the solids from the beer. And then in the lottering process, we filter through and pull away all the pieces that were left from before. All those things that remain from the product that we want changed are filtered out and removed, and it leaves us only with what we need for the finished product, which is what we call the wort. And the wort goes through a boiling process, which is when you add the hops and you continue to make adjustments specific to the outcome because the process determines the outcome. Now you know how to make some beer. Let me talk about you for a second. This process and the beer making process is so important because every little nuance, every piece, every decision that's made during this time determines the outcome and whether or not you'll make something great or something that doesn't quite reach its full potential. Every little decision made during this mash and laudering and, and getting into the world. Every decision that's made has an incredible impact on the finished product. I wonder how many of us are in this mashing and laudering process today. I wonder what's happening in your life right now 
that you can't see it, but it's developing and preparing you for all that it is to come next. I wonder what decisions you're making today that are impacting the finished product that you will become later on. Maybe inside of you is the potential to be this great leader, maybe in the business world or in a nonprofit sector, maybe in a church or any other number of things. But right now, you're, you're working your behind off at a mid-range, at a mid-level just to get by and you wonder if you'll ever truly reach that full potential. So you're reading leadership books and you're swallowing up podcasts and you're asking for better positions at work and hoping that somebody notices. Maybe you feel like you've got the potential to make a difference in people's lives. Maybe you've come to terms with the fact that your purpose is to glorify God and serve others and you're trying to understand what that looks like just for you, but right now you can't find the right outlets. Maybe you just think it's not there, you don't know what it is, you don't understand yourself. Maybe you think it's you, you're a problem. You're not bold enough, you're, you're not wealthy enough to have influence, you don't think you have enough time to really serve in the way you felt called to serve. Maybe you know that you've got the potential to be great in the context of a relationship, to be a great husband someday, a great wife someday. Maybe you know that you've got the potential to be a great parent, to connect with somebody in a way that is unique and special. But right now, that just seems like an impossible dream. And so you're just working on yourself and trying to be ready when that day comes. I believe that this season, a season of development, a season of growth, a season of not being exactly where you wanna be is one of the most underrated and overlooked times of our lives, and it is often one of the most important. It's natural inside of us to just want the next big thing. We, we, want, we want to be doing something big. We want to be noticed. If you are a part of my generation growing up in, in the social media world, we're used to seeing people's highlight reels. We, we, we like to skip to the good part, you know? The TikTok people know what I'm talking about. And we, we like to see all of the hard stuff disappear and just go straight to where we want to be. And it's, it's hard to grasp that we have to do work to get there. We want the glamorous thing and we want it right now. We, we're, we're living in a season and a time of instant gratification. Y'all, Amazon does same day right now, okay? Same day. I'm telling you, I ordered like a belt buckle or something that I didn't need on Amazon a couple weeks ago. It was in my mailbox that afternoon. I was like, what in the world just happened? We can Google all the information humanity has ever known instantaneously. We can find out whatever we want to know. You have a question that goes through your mind, you get the answer to it during church. You better not, but you could. Solving all life's mysteries in the palm of our hand. The idea of waiting for anything is cr a crock pot wasn't good enough for us, y'all. We came out with the instant pot. So let's do what a crock pot does, but let's do it in 10 minutes. We can't wait for nothing. The idea of waiting for anything is crazy to us. We know that we're going to be more than what we are, that we're going to go somewhere better than where we are, and we are so impatient living in the moment that we're in. We know that we got this potential inside of us, but we don't want to just see it inside of us. 
We want it to be out loud, outside, right now, where we are. It's 13 years ago, I knew I was going to start a church. I had felt it. I had heard this promise that God spoke to me. He had called me and sent me in a specific direction. Come to step one today. I'll give you all the details. But I knew I was going to lead a church. And it led to me getting so angry and dissatisfied and uncomfortable with where I was. I began to hate my job, even though I had a great job. And before that moment, I loved my job. I began to hate it. I started to resent my lack of opportunity to reach my dreams. And I began to question my reasons for doing anything that didn't directly lead me to my goal, to my calling, to the potential that I know God had written inside of me. Now, I was a gunner's mate second class in the United States Coast Guard, and you can't just quit whenever you're tired of being in the military. You can't just say, hey, guys, this has been great so far, but I'm done. No, I had a six-year contract that I had signed for an extra $2,000 at the recruiter's office, y'all. I had never seen $2,000 at one time before, and they were like, hey, you know, it's normally a four-year contract, but if you go for six, we'll give you $2,000, my guy. And I said, did you say $2,000? Done. <laughs> signed it away. So I had years left on this, on this contract, and I just I couldn't leave. I didn't want to be there. I wanted to be out in the world, working in a church, influencing lives, serving the kingdom of God. But I was 23 years old, you guys, 22 years old. I wasn't ready for this. I had no idea how to serve in the way God had created me to serve yet. I didn't have the integrity, I didn't have the attention span, I didn't have the leadership skills, I didn't have the discipline, I didn't have the ability to work that I have now. What I didn't realize at first was that the very position I was in, the same job that I felt stuck in, was getting me ready for where I am today, right now, here in this place. I learned leadership, character, integrity, all these things that I was weak in and that are crucial in the position that I'm in right now. If you're making beer and you take a look at that sweet wort, the wort doesn't look like beer. It doesn't even taste like beer. It doesn't smell like beer. It's, it's kind of gross. But if it goes through the right process, it will become beer, but not without the process. So we've been talking about Joseph and 3,900 years ago, this 17-year-old this boy, he knew that he was called to more, built for more, meant for more, but his timing was all wrong. He wasn't ready yet. He tried to tell people how great he was going to be. He tried to tell people that he had this amazing potential inside of him, but in his unready presentation, all he gained was resentment. So his brothers beat him up and they sold him into slavery. And I'm certain that on that day, as he got led away with his hands bound by Ishmaelites, sold into slavery, that he didn't understand how that decision, how that moment was going to help him reach the potential God had in mind for him. I'm certain that on that day, he couldn't even begin to see the pieces coming together. He didn't know that he was having the things in him that needed to be removed, crushed and stripped away. He didn't know that he was being mashed and formed into something different and something new. In that moment, on that day, at that time, he was just afraid. He was just alone. He was just confused. Let's take a look at his story in Genesis chapter 39. 
Start in verse one. It says, now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. And the, this is so important. Verse two, the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. The Lord was with Joseph. Joseph's ordeal was probably worse than most of what us have gone through, you know what I mean? In different ways, you know. You probably just don't have a context for what it's like to be beaten up by your own family, sold into slavery in another country where you don't speak the language, where you don't understand the culture. The food is all wrong. Nothing there is the way that it should be. Nothing makes sense in the way that everything used to make sense to him. Maybe you've had a day, though, where everything changed on a dime. Where the future that you believed that you would have was stripped away in an instant. In a moment, you had an entirely different life than the one that you had the day before. Maybe you've been through that kind of a moment and that kind of a season. Joseph is in this place, this foreign land, as a slave. But it says here that if God was allowing Joseph to be a slave, that he was going to be a successful man even as a slave. Now, this is, this, is, this is a hard thing to bridge the context in, to try to imagine the life of Joseph. But God revealed to this man that one day people would bow down before him. And then the next thing he knew, his brothers beat him and sold him into slavery. It's a wild scenario. But I do think that some of us can relate to it. We know what it feels like to have our lives shift course in just a moment. And if it's not anything specific to you, we've all got a shared trauma like that. It goes like this. Now we're gonna go into a two-week lockdown, two weeks to flatten the curve. And everything will be back to normal after that time. And we had no idea how different the next season was gonna be. None of us were going in the same direction that we thought we would be going in for 2020. None of us found ourselves in June of 2020 where we thought we would be. We all took a hard right turn. And so here's Joseph. His whole life has shifted. He's in a foreign country working for a foreign government. Genesis 39 verse 3 says, His master Potiphar saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. Basically, Potiphar noticed that Joseph was super successful in everything that he touched, even as a slave. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. And he made him an overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. We often complain to God that he's put us in a terrible or a difficult place, but we don't see that from Joseph. Instead, we see Joseph saying, I'm here, and I'm going to make the very best of what I have while I'm here. I'm going to be successful here. I'm going to be a leader. I believe God called me to be a leader, and so I can't lead the way that I thought I would. I'll probably never see my family again, but I'm going to lead right here in this space. And he put his head down, and he did the work, and he worked hard, and he learned, and he grew, and his boss took notice. Before he knew it, he had been given a status, a rank that he never thought would be possible in the position that he was in. Verse 30, chapter 39, verse 5. From that time that he made him an overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. 
And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food that he ate. So Joseph is now in charge of the captain of the guard. We are talking about a really important person in the structure of hierarchy in the Egyptian monarchy. This is a big dude. This is a big deal, this guy. And Joseph is over every, it says that the captain of the guard, Potiphar, all he worried about was the food he was going to eat because Joseph was in charge of everything else. He took care of everything else. He's given all this responsibility despite being a slave. And it's as a result of how he confronted his circumstances. I don't think Joseph wanted to be the best slave in Potiphar's house. I mean, it sounds great when we're, we're reading it. It says he was a successful man and he was in charge of all these different things. He was still a slave. I don't think that his dream in life or the way that he saw his life pl- playing out or panning out or the way that he interpreted the dreams God gave him was that he was going to be the most important slave in some important man's house. But it doesn't matter. He still served God the very best that he could with what he had and in the season that he'd been given. And as a result, God not only blessed him, but he blessed the people around him. Here's what I believe. I believe you are where you are right now because that is where you are currently equipped to be. Joseph was not ready to have all the recognition and all the honor and all the leadership fall on his shoulders at that time. He was a kid. He was a kid, and he'd already shown his ability to be prideful. And so God gave him the responsibility he was equipped to have, but in a time when he would have no honor for it, he would have no recognition for it, no blessing for it. We are where we are because it's where we're equipped to be. We've got things to learn in this season. We've got areas that we need to grow in, places that we need to work on, some things that need to be ironed out in the season that we're in right now before we step into the next one. Let's break it down a little bit as we learn from Joseph. First thing is this. I believe that before we learn how to lead, we got to learn how to serve. Before we learn how to lead, we need to learn to serve. John Maxwell, if you've never read any of his books, there's 2,000 of them. Just pick one. They're great. He's a, the guru on leadership. But his, his, one of his theses is that leadership is influence. No matter who you are, you have influence. So maybe I say, I'm talking about leadership, and I'm talking about if you want to lead, you got to learn how to serve, and Jesus talks about some of that same stuff, and, and maybe you've always heard that and thought, well, that doesn't apply to me because I'm not really planning on leading anything. You know, I'm just trying to do me. I'm out here. I'm just doing me. I'm just trying to take care of me. I'm just trying to get some chicken nuggets for dinner. Maybe that's where you find yourself in life, but I believe you have influence over somebody, that every single one of us finds ourselves with influence over someone. And so there is somebody in this life that you exercise leadership over. Leadership is influence. And your potential, your purpose, I believe, is leading you towards greater influence, which means it's leading you towards greater leadership. So Jesus called every single person to fulfill one purpose in your own unique perfect for you way. And that purpose is really, it's simpler than we make it. We talk about trying to understand the meaning of life, but it's been written for us in God's word. And the meaning of life is that you would glorify God, serve others, and make disciples. And if you're going to make disciples, 
The way that Jesus has called you to make disciples. Matthew 28 says, go and make disciples. If you're going to do that, you're going to have to lead somebody. Wherever your dreams are leading you, wherever your purpose and your potential take you, if you trust in the process and you develop your potential, it's going to bring you into leadership in some capacity. But before you can ever get there, before you can walk that road, before you can have that sort of responsibility, before we can lead someone and influence them to be more like Jesus, we ourselves have to become more like Jesus. And we do that by learning to serve. Matthew 20, verses 25 through 28 says, Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. And the, the disciples have just been arguing about who's going to be more important in the kingdom of heaven. You think that you're a Christian and you don't understand all this? That's okay. You're in good company. Because they are on their way to the Last Supper and the disciples have no idea what in the world Jesus is doing. They're pretty sure he's going to overthrow the Roman government and become a king himself. And they're like trying to figure out who's going to be the viceroy. They're like, who, which one of us is the general? I feel kind of, I feel kind of generalish. I think I'm going to be the general. I'm going to sit next to him on this side. Well, I'm going to sit on this side. And they're arguing about this kind of thing. And so Jesus says, you know how it is in the world. The people who have authority, lord authority. And they're all like, yeah, heck yeah, that's right. That's what I'm talking about. I'm going to lord the heck out of some authority in a minute. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait, man. I'm, gonna, uh, I'm never strapping my own sandals on again. Here we go. And Jesus says, not so with you. Not so with you. Instead, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. It takes more than pain for us to be ready to reach our full potential. We've just got to grow it. And we've got to grow into it. We've got to develop it. Do the work to understand it. We've got to learn what it means to serve before we lead. We've got to learn how to lead people, but serve them at the same time. Jesus went from this conversation, and a couple hours later, he's in this upper room. And he gets in this upper room, and what typically happens when you've been traveling all day and you're going to a dinner, especially a ceremonial dinner, is that the lowest slave in the house is called up to the room, and they tie a towel around their waist, and they wash these disgusting Birkenstock feet that have been walking on dirt roads all day. And they get up there, and they're waiting for that to happen, and their leader, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, gets up, takes off his outer garment, wraps a towel around his waist and grabs the wash basin to start washing feet. If we want to grow into the potential that we've been given, we have to learn how to lead like Jesus. See, this world is all about serving themselves. It's about leading people to get what you can out of them and then disposing of them when you're done. That's not how we are called to serve. It's not how we're called to lead. As followers of Christ, we have to learn how to make people feel valued, seen, cared for, wanted. We have to learn how to prioritize people and care for people in a unique and special way so that we can lead them the way that Jesus led. 
Often, when we're developing our potential and we're in this season where our character is being tested, where we're growing into who we're meant to be, where we're not in the position we dream we would be, all the credit for the good things that we do goes to somebody else. Look at Joseph's Joseph's life in these last few verses here. He's making incredible strides, even as a slave. But it's all going to Potiphar's credit. The Pharaoh never hears Joseph's name. Pharaoh doesn't know who Joseph is. Pharaoh knows that Potiphar's house has never looked better. That Potiphar's responsibilities have never looked. Great job, Potiphar. Congratulations, Potiphar. Potiphar, you're crushing it, man. You're really, your numbers looked amazing this quarter. Well done, Potiphar. Joseph's doing all the work. Potiphar's getting all the credit. It's not very glamorous to get credit for somebody else, but I have never met a tremendous man of God who did not spend a significant portion of his early years making somebody else look better. It's all part of learning how to serve the way that Jesus served and lead the way that Jesus led. When we do this, it really makes us examine and develop our why. Why do we do what we do? Why do we honor somebody? Why do we show respect to that leader? Why do we work so hard when the credit doesn't fall on our shoulders? Why? Are we doing this to be known? Are we doing this for credit? Are we doing this for the praises? Are we doing this because we believe in it? Are we doing this because we're good at it and gifted at it and we love it? Are we doing this because we know there's more for us and we're going to do the work to get where we were meant to be? Joseph had to dash his pride before he would be able to lead. And that's true for many of us as well. It's all an important part of the process. Before we learn to lead, we need to learn to serve. And second, it takes time. It takes time to make a thing go right. It takes time to get it out of sight. You're welcome. I grew this mustache recently, and it's changing me as a person. Just letting you know. Get ready. I think you should know that Joseph's change and the good things that happened to him, we're going to talk about, we finish up next week, we got Father's Day, and then after that, I'm going to finish this story up. And you're going to see, if you don't already know, Joseph's life, it it ends up pretty good. But there's 11 years that happened between the beginning of his story and when he gets where he's going. 11 years. 11 years before the full measure of the potential God's placed in him is accomplished. And even then, there's still more. Even then, we still see him going through process and doing work and growing and developing. His story has a ways to go. Now, 11 years is a long time. Not every leader around Joseph took that long to reach their potential. I bet Joseph noticed that. I bet he noticed that while he was a slave, there were plenty of men his age, in his culture, in his country, who were responsible for slaves. I bet he thought about his brothers and where in life they must be by now. Joseph came from a really wealthy family. He's probably thinking about all the good things that they've got going for them in this season that didn't take them 11 years to get. Many of us believe that if our potential is from God, if our calling, if our purpose, if our dream is from God, it's got to come easy and it's got to come quickly. That never happens in the Bible. Sometimes it might take 
less time. Some people's journeys might be shorter. But so often, God allows things to develop slowly. Human children have one of the longest development times, both in the womb and in childhood, compared to animals. It takes many years for an acorn to become an oak tree, but a squash might grow overnight. In the brewing process, the milling of the barley, the crushing, is just the beginning of the process for that barley. It's been crafted and developed by the brewer into mash. And it's different for every beer. Some beers, they take a couple of weeks to make. Sometimes it takes a month or more. Always takes time. And the amount of time it takes is going to be different for every single person. You will not have the same process as somebody else. Don't try to run your race at somebody else's pace. That's a rhyme I heard somewhere. But that's hard to swallow, isn't it? We look to our left, we look to our right, and there's a person our age in our same position in life, started in the same place as us in life, but they've got all the things that we want. They've got the influence, the position, the salary, the authority, the job, the house, the wife, the boat, the truck, the kids, and we're just still here waiting. I believe that comparison is a trap that will distract you from the process. If your process is harder than somebody else's, if it takes longer, don't envy their process. You're not supposed to end up as them. You're supposed to end up as you. This is your process and it is perfect for your potential. Proverbs 16.9 says, we can make our plans, but the Lord directs our steps. You're gonna be developed into exactly what you were meant to be. It may not be the plans that you had. It may not go the way that you imagined it would go. But God is marking out every place your foot should step. Maybe you've been laudered, filtered, removed, crushed. In other words, you've waited a long time and you've been through a lot. I get it. But remember, when we're brewing beer, we do all that work and get to the wort. But it's not even beer yet. If you find yourself here and you can't change your circumstances, it might be time to change your outlook. Because I believe God's got a big dream for you. But until you find out what it is, or until you get there, serve the purpose you know. Serve in the place that you know. Serve right where you are, as hard as you can, as, uh, as diligently as you can. Work as though there were nothing else. Work as though you were working for the Lord. Glorify God and serve others the very best you can, exactly where you are. God's given you a promise to hold on to in the time that it takes. Philippians 1.6, believing in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion on the day of Christ. It's my life verse. When I was 15 years old, my dad slipped it on a piece of paper under my door because he was afraid to enter the room of a teenage boy. I didn't believe it then, but I believe it now with all of my heart. God is not done, and he will keep working, and he will keep changing you and transforming you and stripping away the parts of you that need to change 
You just have to trust the process. Lean into the season that you're in. Last thing is this. You gotta earn it. You gotta earn it. You gotta earn the potential that God has laid out for you. You gotta do some work. It doesn't just happen by you sitting around and waiting. If you're not in the season that you wanna be in, maybe you should just sit around and wait and you will be eventually. It doesn't go that way. I believe that if you're gonna be who God created you to be, you're gonna have to do some work to get there. You're gonna have to push for it. You're gonna have to earn it. You're gonna have to do some stripping away on your own. You're gonna have to take inventory of who you are. You're gonna have to look at where you wanna go and do the work necessary to get there. You gotta earn it. Clarify some goals. If you're in a season where you feel like there's more for you, but you just can't get to it yet, Take time to write out what more could be. Whether it's purpose or calling, or maybe just a a better position at work or in life, then you find yourself in at this moment, just clarify it. I love Proverbs 21.5. It says, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. But everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. In other words, if you just sit around saying you want more for your life or you want more for your future, but you don't do anything about it, nothing's going to come from it. Clarify some goals, and it'll help you learn in the place you are, and it'll give you clear direction to move forward in. And as you set goals and plan for your future, keep in mind the dreams God has for you aren't always the dreams you have for yourself. We just read Proverbs 16, 9. The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Make plans. Prepare for where you want to go. Clarify some goals. And be ready for God to take you somewhere else. And if he does, trust that it's better. Second thing is capture your moment. They all start with a C, because I'm a preacher. Don't get so fixated on where you want to be that you miss out on where you are. I am certain that God has a big dream for your future. I know he does. I'm certain that he's got an amazing plan for where you are going. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be big, it's gonna be beautiful. But I am also certain that God has big dreams for where you are today, right now, and in this season. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and immovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Zechariah 4.10 Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. You may not be where you want to be yet. You may feel the call of purpose and the longing of a dream welling up inside of you, but where you are right now matters. The people in the season that you're in right now, they need you. They need the influence that God has already given you. They need the purpose that God has written into you. Don't just fixate your heart on the people that are ahead when God has put somebody in front of you right here today. 
Where you are right now matters. Your labor is not in vain. The Lord loves to see the work begin. So be steadfast. Lean into the season you're in. Learn from it. Enjoy it. Be fully present in it. Let it change you and grow you and develop you. Find the gifts that are in it. Maybe it gives you more time at home. Maybe it gives you more time to focus. Maybe it teaches you how to focus. Maybe it's a season with less responsibility, which means you can invest more in the people at home. Joseph didn't want to be a slave earning praise for his master. But in the season he had coming next, he would feel the immense weight of responsibility in a very different way. He would have a lot more to care for and a lot more people depending on him. So capture the moment that you're in right now instead of constantly living for the next one. And finally, cultivate that potential. I wonder what steps you're taking right now to cultivate your potential. Joseph believed he was called to lead. So even as a slave, he led other slaves. He led people. He led them well. He led them with character and integrity and kindness. And he gave it all that he had. Every task he was given, it says he did it exceptionally well. If you believe your potential is to do something great, what are some good things that you're doing right now to get there? What is required to get into the, educa- the dream that you have, to get into the potential that you have? Do you need more education? Pursue it while you can. Do you need more experience? Pursue it while you can. Is there someone within reach of you who is living your dream right now? Why aren't you sitting with them, having coffees, lunches, Evenings together, learning all that you can to get where you want to be. Be tenacious. I remember after a couple years of frustration being stuck in the Coast Guard, when I just wanted to be pastoring and working for a church, I realized that I, I needed to start living all of this. I needed to be okay in the season that I was in. I needed to serve God right where I was, that he didn't call me to serve and lead people and to serve people and to share his gospel with people someday deep in the future, that he called me to do it that day. The day that I said yes to him was the day he said, go and make disciples. And so I began to change my outlook. I I learned things from the people that I was working with. I learned discipline. I learned how to schedule everything which is an important part of how I succeed in life. I got ADHD. I learned all kinds of uh, lessons in leadership from those men. And I began to start to pastor whoever would let me in that season. Began to lead Bible studies right there at work. Began to get guys together at lunch around the table and just answer questions. Began to care for people that needed care. I, I remember when one of my buddies in the Coast Guard, who I just thought was the wildest man I had ever met in my life. This man will never, ever, ever let me talk to him about Jesus. Took me to lunch one day and started to unload his heart on me because he felt so lost and alone and he needed hope. I'll never forget the day one of my buddies got kicked out because he got caught with some cocaine in his system. Can't do that in the Coast Guard. And guess who he called the day he got the decision that he wasn't allowed to come to work anymore? Red wine, I need somebody to pray for me, man. I need hope. And I just don't feel any right now. Why should I keep on living? 
I began to pastor in the season that I was in because I believe that was where God was leading me to go. So what can you do right now where you are to reach the potential that God has given you? It doesn't have to be some future day. It doesn't have to be as big as you imagined it. If you start in these small places, it'll get bigger. It'll get bigger and bigger and bigger as you grow with it. But right now, here, today, let yourself be developed. Let yourself grow. Let yourself be changed and serve your purpose however you can in the season you're in. Remember that God has created you to do something great. He's marked out a path for you that would prosper you and those around you. He wants you to have more in this life. And he wants you to stop thinking about all the things that you don't have and to focus more and pay more attention on where you are right now so that you can see the opportunities he's given you to grow, to serve and honor him, to let your light shine, to become what you were meant to be. So let's decide today to embrace the process and to let ourselves be developed. Maybe you're in here today and you've never had a relationship with Jesus and you've been through all kinds of crushing. You've, you've seen a lot of pain and loss in your life. And maybe you know what it feels like to be stuck in the moment that you're in. I, I gotta tell you that no matter how high you climb the ladder, no matter how high up the mountain you go, that if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, it will never, ever be enough for you. You could be in charge of the biggest company in America and without Jesus, you haven't reached your full potential. And so if you would like to begin to step in the potential that you were crafted and created with, it just starts with a simple prayer to enter into a relationship with Jesus right here today. He's already done all the work for you. You don't have to earn his forgiveness. You don't have to earn his love. You don't have to earn his approval. There is literally nothing you could have done that is outside of his love for you and his grace over your life. All he wants is for you to say yes as he reaches his hand out to take yours. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're ready, pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, forgive me for trying to do this by myself. Forgive me for my sin. I give all that I am to you today. I believe in you. I believe in what you've done for me and I want to know you, God. And so all that I am from this day forward, I am yours. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.